When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson coming at you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me, as always, from his small apartment in Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. You know, my cozy apartment, Brian. <laughs> cozy. I, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother, right? Okay, it's just so, the yes. right size. It is just the right size. You know, it's a cozy little little pad. So, yeah. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. You know, I've been having a little bit of a foot problem this past week, but I've been getting out to the gym, getting my circulation going, trying to trying to clear up this issue I'm having in my toe joint. But, um, yeah, the weather's been nice in Buffalo. Been watching the World Cup. Uh, this time last week, I was, I was, uh, I was inconsolable, honestly, with uh, Spain's performance against Russia. I, was, I just couldn't believe that they had all this talent and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't break through. Yeah, I, I went to go watch it at the, like, the local kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a market, but they converted half the market to like this bar area and they have like a 70 inch TV there. So there was a lot of people watching the match there and watch I have to, yeah, it's basically a watch party, but it's just, man, uh, within the first 20 minutes, there was no energy either from the Spanish team or the people watching the crowd. It was, I have to say, Brian, it was one of the most boring matches I've ever seen. And yeah. especially for an elimination match with so much on the line, you would just think that, um, Spain would have been able to bring more of it and they didn't. And, you know, how I want to relate this to Barcelona, you know, Barcelona, a lot of times when we have possession, we're unable to break through. So how do we counteract that? I mean, what would you, what would you do to counteract that? What would you, I don't know, what would you recommend? Like just or to you try, and, try and get it forward? Yeah. Like, what would you do differently? I mean, like, you know, in this match against Russia, you know, Spain had more than a thousand passes, but yeah. they barely had one scoring opportunity. Right. I mean, the whole match over 120 minutes, they barely had one or two uh, scoring opportunities. So, you know, the idea is to score the goal and win the match. Right. You don't want to go into penalty kicks. But, you know, let's say we just say about FC Barcelona, you know, they've done the same type of thing where we possess it side to side. And how do we break through to that? You know, so what would you suggest to break through with that? Well, I think that late in the game, a couple of good substitutions happened, uh, namely taking Diego Costa off, putting Aspas in, and then later even putting in Rodrigo. These are two, uh, well, Diego Costa can be dynamic at times, but you can't count on him to be dynamic every game. For instance, in the game just prior to that match against Russia, he was a little bit more dynamic and he was running out of his uh, his target man space and he was helping to create the attack more. In this Russia match, he was just posted up top. Again, no energy, uh, wasn't moving much. Once Aspas and then especially when Rodrigo came out, now you had some 
some dynamism in the attack. Uh, but also, I felt like they were so balanced. The um, the Russian defense was very balanced, but also Spain's attack was so balanced. You know, for for every person you had on the left, you had an equal person on the right, and it was just batting it around very horizontally. And I think that they could have benefited from tactically shifting over to one side and really trying to you know get those overloads happening on one side of the box to try and get something going. And of course, that might even also open up some space on the other side for a good switch of play. But they weren't doing that. They were just, you know, batting it around. And Isco was running around like a crazy man, uh, not uncontrolled. I thought Isco actually gave a great game, but the rest of the team just wasn't really there for him to to back him up. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. But I, I was just, you know, I just want to highlight a couple of players. So like Isco, I just think was wasting so much energy to create something out of nothing and then he just couldn't do anything because he couldn't break anyone down and no one was moving with him you know the other player I had issue with was David Silva this whole tournament he didn't do anything he looked as though he was just bored you know he just kind of looked you know he's already gone through the Eurocopa and he's already won the World Cup you know so he's kind of gone through this and to me he in any of the matches he didn't really look that dangerous where it was like you know the David Silva from Man City this year with like really great passing and link up play. And the other thing, like we said, with the Costa thing, he just needs to play with someone, you know, um, in this match, I just didn't like Coke and Busquets. We, there's no reason to have Coke in there. Right. We're, we're going to have the possession against Russia, you know, have another forward with Costa, you know, like I always said, Brian, like when I used to play, I was always taught to be super um, trying to be confusing for the defense. You never want to make it easy for the center back pairing. Right. And in this match, Spain did nothing to create any, you know, havoc or confusion between the center back because Costa just posted up and they were just walking the ball. It was just, I mean, it was so brutal. And I knew as soon as it was going to to penalty kicks, I just didn't like their chances because, you know, it is the great equalizer. It gives underdogs more opportunities to come through. And again, the other person that he's getting crucified here in Spain is De Gea. I mean, De Gea had, I think, 12 total shots and 11 goals. Something like this. Yeah, something like that was his stat line for the World Cup. And he's supposed to be one of the best World Cup keepers. You have to be able to make a a finger touch the ball on any of the PKs. And he went zero for five, you know, and you would think on paper that would be the advantage. And so, again, Spain was a total disarray with the coaching debacle in the beginning. Um, You know, half the team just looked disinterested. The young guys looked like they were into it. But again, it's just the dynamic, the coaching, the tactics, everything, Just it just failed. Yeah, and I want to come back to Koke for just a second because just like you, I was incredibly frustrated with Koke. Not only was he probably unnecessary, but because you know his main role, as it, as it seemed, was to help maintain possession and you know have sort of a be a gatekeeper alongside Busquets, right? Then again, every pass he made, almost every pass he made was back to Ramos until um, David Silva came out. And I don't know what was going on on that right side, but once David Silva came out, and I forget who came in for him, Koke was suddenly becoming more positive, and he was making more forward passes. But yeah, he was doing very, very little in that match for me, and uh, he shouldn't have been on the field. But again, for me, this all comes back around to the management issues. You know, Lopetegui has been working with these guys, he's been working with this team for a couple of years now. He knows what he has, he knows how he wants to use it, he's been getting good results and all of this. And then, I mean, that, that whole thing with Real Madrid, him, Real Madrid, and Rubiales, I feel like everybody did the wrong thing. Like, like no one is to blame, everyone is to blame for... <laughs> 
just everyone yeah. made the wrong decision in in uh, I mean if if Real Madrid really wants to sign him before the World Cup they can do that but just keep it quiet right keep it under your hat until after the tournament and, and but they didn't do that but okay so they did that and that was a bad decision but then the president of the federation decides well then I'm going to fire your ass 2 days before the tournament and replace you with a guy who has managed on the pitch for only 1 year and uh, you know we'll just see what happens and this is what happens yeah so euro just had no you know he he was supposed to be like the administrator you know he's like learning on the job and all these things and he's just put into this role as a coach, you know, he wasn't looking for that role. So I don't put too much blame on him, but at the same time, it's, you know, I just find it frustrating when it's so obvious watching on TV from a game before that something has to change. And when nothing changes and you get the same results, you know, just like the definition of what insanity, right. It's just, it's just frustrating because all, all throughout the World Cup, they had this type of performance. They weren't looking so great. You know, it was lucky goals against, Portugal that saved them to get the tie um, against Iran. They didn't do anything, you know, so they didn't, they didn't have any match where you can say, okay, that's the great performance we're looking for from this Spanish national team. Everything was kind of squeaked by tie and just get through, you know, they never looked, you know, and they have so much talent. It's just a matter of just trying to organize that in a better way. I'm just frustrated because you just can't throw away a team like this for a world cup, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen next year with injuries, uh, the draw, you know, you never know. And you, they just basically just threw this opportunity away. You know, you're not going to have PK, you're not going to have Iniesta, you're not going to have these, you know, the guys that are the veterans, it's going to be a new crew and just really, just really disappointed by their whole campaign from top to bottom. Yeah. Real bummer. Uh, now elsewhere in world cup talk, uh, I, I have to say I've been really – this has been a shocker of a tournament for me, and uh, Belgium has really risen. Uh, I mean, after their comeback from two goals down to beat out Japan 3-2 to two in the round of 16, I could see that, okay, these guys have the determination, the talent, and the teamwork to actually win this whole thing. Sure enough, they held Brazil to one goal, scored two of their own, and in that match, at no point – did they look even slightly out of control of the game for me? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I just a couple points here. How good does Lukaku look for them? As the single forward, how active is he? And we were watching the game yesterday, and he just, you know, every time he's coming forward at you, you're just like, oh, shit. You know, like, <laughs> you, like as a defender, you just quake in your boots, you know, because of the speed, the power, and the moves he has. Um, you know, so for me, that's one thing. You know, you compare him to Costa. The activity he brings, the the hustle, as my mom would be very proud of his hustling, you know. Um, but just you can just see how when a forward, if he's all by himself, how active he is, he can create havoc on his own, you know. We've seen this with Suarez and Cavani, those two as well. The other thing too, Courtois. Again, if we compare the Spain team again, you know, De Gea and Courtois, Courtois against Japan didn't have the greatest game, but that counterattack start play that he did the rolling and just kind of was able to identify the numbers that were in the box and to see that. I mean, that's just a great play. And also he made some great saves in the Brazil match as well. And then for me, you know, Belgium's been playing together for a long time as this core of team, you know, so they understand how to play with each other. Um, they just haven't had the success, you know, of winning, um, you know, going this far in world cup or your Euro- European championship, but you can kind of see that their teamwork their defense, they have it all clicking on. So, and man, the France, 
Belgium match coming up is going to be a nice, nice, good match coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think a lot of the success that Belgium is enjoying right now is attributable to Roberto Martinez. And I've even heard a rumor. It could have just been some, you know, random Internet rumor that some someone threw out. But I've heard a rumor that Spain might be looking to try to bring Martinez into manage Spain. I don't know. I don't think I think it's a little bit. Obviously, he has something to do with it, right? I mean, he has some responsibility of organizing the team and so forth. But I heard him in an interview, I think it was against the Brazil match, where he just said, yeah, my tactics have always been correct. I've never not had bad tactics. It's always the players that haven't been able to implement them. And it just (laughs) seems that Belgium now, the players are able to implement his tactics. So I don't know if he would be really... So it's the nexus. It's the his tactics, which are unimpeachable, apparently. Correct, correct. Finally have the right players to implement them yeah be a little humble right like just come on you know it's like god damn that's great but uh but yeah and then you know i think belgium you know it's not for me it's not impossible to think that they can get to the final for sure oh not at all i mean against france i I honestly i'm picking belgium against france Ooh, that's that's an interesting pick i mean i i could see it going either way two one either team you know but um just recently in form and so forth, I do like the way Belgium has been playing and also to come back from the two, nothing France has been winning every match. They haven't been behind at all, really, you know? So, um, you know, only the, what is it? The Argentina match. They were behind for a little bit, but after that they were able to kick it into gear. But for me, it's, you know, Belgium has the kind of campaign so far where they've looked excellent. They've had a little adversity and they've overcame that. And then just looking really good against um, Brazil, who everyone touted as, you know, the World Cup winner this year. One of them. Yeah, I mean, watching Brazil come through this tournament, it really seemed like, okay, they they look really organized. And obviously, they have a ton of talent. And uh, yeah, sure. They're just, as always, they look like favorites to me. And Belgium made them look like not favorites. Yeah, they made them look so disorganized. And I don't know if that's because of that Casemiro was not on the team because he was on yellow card suspension. So I don't know if that had anything to do with the psyche of the team, not having him as the the security blanket, but yeah, I mean, Belgium just looked um, far, far superior. And also our boy Coutinho had a misfire on a tying goal opportunity, which man, he could have, he just had to put it on target and he tried to make the most beautiful goal and it just airmailed over the crossbar. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. No, I remember that. I, it was very disappointing. But I, I, I don't think he was necessarily trying to make the most beautiful goal ever. He was just trying to, you know, take a shot that had a little bit of an edge on it. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely trying to put it in the corner. Yeah, because you know? if you go for and, the easy shot, it, it's going to get saved. So you have to take that yeah, risk. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But the way he just kind of like leaned back and, you know with those opportunities, you don't get many of those. And again, um, Belgium, you know, it's funny because I was away this weekend um, with some of my British friends. And so we were watching this match. And then obviously we watched the England match yesterday. And so um, what are you thinking about in England? Do you think they're going to be able to go to the final? Well, I'm calling, I'm calling um, a Belgium England final, assuming that the better team wins. That's how (laughs) it doesn't always happen in world cup soccer because games can go to penalties and it all depends on you know how you played on that day um you know you, we don't play football on paper right yeah but i i think that for me those are the picks it's going to be a belgium england final interesting i i'm, I'm kind of leaning towards france england but you know like we, we have in our notes here about england they just look as though they're playing without pressure the coach has them playing with confidence they look organized enough 
Um, I'm really impressed with the keeper that they have, a very fiery kind of um, a boss in the air type of thing, you know. And also, I just like the way they have Harry Kane up there. He's been able to um, hold the ball. And just the way they're playing, you know, they, they have so much speed on that team that I think it's going to give Croatia a lot of problems because Croatia does have a better midfield, I think, you know, obviously with Rakitic and Modric. However, I just think the overall speed of England is going to give Croatia a bunch of problems. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think, well, not I think only that, but Croatia played 120 minutes and England only had to play 90. Yeah, but Croatia had to play 120 minutes twice in a row. Right. You know, so. Plus, um, England that looks it. fit. And that's yeah, the yeah, other yeah. thing. Like, 90th minute, they're still looking good. Yeah, and exactly. It's, you know, it's a lot with the conditioning, and also they're just young, you know. Um, he has them rotating. They they're just look very impressive. My British friends over the weekend were super excited about this outcome because, you know, they've always never gone this far. So the opportunity to go to the World Cup final is just, it's right there. You can, they can taste it, you know? So uh, watching it this week is going to be a lot of fun. I'll be watching with my British friends for sure. I'll be, I'll be rooting for England for sure. I think my dad is also kind of rooting for England. And I like the idea that uh, there's, there's this groundswell of uh, British or English fans uh, singing this song. It's coming home, right? I think that would be a great story for them that it would finally come back to England uh, for the first time since, 66 and also i like how half of the teams that are now still in the tournament have not won a world cup before i like the odds there yeah that's a that's a good twist yeah my friends after the match they were playing that song all over the house so they were very (laughs) excited yeah Yeah. um no you have a good point you know we're gonna get some new blood essentially you know uh france is the only one that's won before well england England has won it's just yeah yeah i know i know but back in the day i'm just saying recently right so recently france in 98 so um i you know like i said i would love to see the belgium england i think that would be a very dynamic interesting up and down type of match which, you know, I think will favor Belgium, I think. But at the same time, for me, it'll just be entertaining as kind of a neutral for that World Cup final. Yeah, I really couldn't call it at that point. But, you know, going back to France, I was I was watching the last uh, France match, um, the round of 16, or the quarterfinal. And I was impressed with how Uruguay managed to sort of shut off and cut off Mbappe, right? Because we saw how... His speed just made everyone in Argentina look like, look like you know, little kids. But they managed to shut him down. Of course, they forgot about this Griezmann guy. And even though Uruguay were playing generally pretty well defensively, they, they didn't have any attacking things going on. They were playing a lot of Route 1, giving up possession. But they did cut off Mbappe. And I was watching that match, and I was thinking, you know, he, Mbappe, has made a real splash at this tournament scored three goals, and he's blown everyone away with his speed. Meanwhile, Dembele hasn't played much. He's only played 165 minutes. He hasn't scored any goals, made any assists. So to the casual observer, I think it might seem like he's below the standard of Mbappe, but personally, I'm glad that we, Barcelona, have Dembele and not Mbappe. I'd pick Dembele over Mbappe any day because from what I can see, Mbappe is obviously very fast, he has a good finishing skill, which is good, and he's young, but he's not that great on the ball, at least no more than a standard or a slightly above average top tier forward, right? And he doesn't, to me, seem to be that creative, right? Dembele is young, fast, a good finisher, and he's great on the ball, inventive, surprising, and if nothing else, I think he's at least better suited to Barcelona than Mbappe would be, so I'm glad that we got him because I remember there was some talk of Barcelona trying to pick up Mbappe, and I'm glad that they didn't. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah. I did not see you. I did not see you taking this take here. So, <laughs> uh, well, me personally, I would be happy with either one. And um, I see what you're saying with Dembele, the way he's at, you know, obviously we've been able to see him because he played with Barcelona this season, the way he's been able to get better and get used to the passing and the movement and not trying to take everyone one V one all the time. Uh, I think Mbappe still has, you know, a huge uh, career ahead of him. Oh yeah. I do. I do love his finishing because I think his finishing is more clinical than Dembele, for example. However, however, I, I would agree. I like Dembele's kind of um, upside a little bit more in that he fits Barcelona style more. So in Barca, he, I think he has a better upside just because of that four, three, three wing. I think he can really, you know, put that on another level that we've never had before with the speed um, that he can bring because, you know, again, we can, you just can't teach speed, you know, that's just, right. it's a great thing to have. And that always puts the defense on ice skates, you know, when they have to think about someone coming at them, you know, Dembele with the speed, and then all of a sudden they have Messi behind them playmaking the defenses, you know, are on a swivel and they, you know, he makes you nervous as a defender. Absolutely. All right. Now zeroing in on Barcelona, uh, the transfer season window, is has been open but of course with the world cup happening you know there hasn't been a whole lot going on in terms of transfers in the last few weeks but now some moves are happening some things are starting to take place and the first thing we want to talk about is that the arthur deal is done so uh sport reported that arthur gave a press conference confirming his move to barcelona and uh, he was going to be presented as early as monday but i just saw today that some paperwork problems have delayed his trip to barcelona but Rest assured that we'll get sorted out and we'll be able to officially welcome Arthur as our new signing very soon, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday or so. Yeah, like we've talked about this. We've been um, excited about this. It's going to give us some much needed depth and youth to our midfield. Um, And I'm really glad they were able to pull this off in the summer because I think that's really going to help him even more. And he's going to be able to help us you know, in October, November with Copa del Rey and some Champions League early qualifying matches, which shouldn't be a problem. And I think that's really going to get him the experience going forward. Um, You know, people are kind of, I don't know, they're not, they're a little bit worried about our midfield, but I'm not so much. I think the youth, you know, we just have to develop this midfield going forward. You know, I think they're perfectly serviceable and perfectly talented to you know, give us the opportunity to win La Liga and Champions League, you know, we need to give these players some more playing time and hopefully with more playing time, they'll get that confidence and they'll just become better players, you know? So I'm really glad that they were able to integrate him or they will integrate him this summer as opposed to the January transfer window. Yeah. Cause you know, those January transfers, they, they always have kind of a hard time getting into the swing of things. And uh, it's almost like, yeah, you're there for half a year, but you're not really there. It, when you come in in the summer, you you really get a chance with with the club because when you come in mid season, I mean even when Suarez came in mid season, it, it was uh, it was awkward. Awkward. It was just a big Rocky Balboa Apollo Creed awkward hug, you yeah. know, like in Rocky Three. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like like I told you, you know, it's 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 just like in anything that you do in life. If you are able to get more time acclimated to a new job as opposed to just being put in the fire it's just you're just more comfortable and it leads you to better opportunities of success so I'm just I'm really grateful because you know in our midfield you know without Iniesta and now Paulinho going um Alenia coming up we definitely have some youth 
um, unproven youth on the La Liga t- uh, stage. So we're going to see what they can bring. So, And as long as uh, Busquets and Rakitic are around, I feel pretty confident that the, that the younger guys can you know get get things sorted out. Now, what I also like about this Arthur deal is, honestly, the the numbers on it are actually pretty good because the deal is going to end up costing Barcelona only 32.8 million euro, which I, if Arthur delivers, I think will have been a great bargain. I mean, remember, we got Paulinho for 40 million, and even that looked like a bargain after the season that we got from him. Now, the original deal was actually just for 30 million, which uh, included 4 million just to get the first option on him, and then the other 26 was going to be paid into installments and but to bring him early, Gremio just asked for an additional 2.8, which I think was really pretty nice of them. It was almost more like a just a like a nice guy surcharge. Like, uh, come on, you know, yeah. But uh, but apparently, aside from that, there's going to be an additional nine million euro in add-ons depending upon his results at Barcelona, and and it's a five-year contract, which is the longest contract that FIFA will allow. So nominally, that would keep him at the Camp Nou until 2023. So. I haven't seen a buyout clause amount yet, and of course, as we know, these things can change from year to year, but that seems to be um, a contract that appears to be making a commitment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I also think, you know, it's a kind of a good faith 2.8 million fee, you know what I'm saying? So that they can do further business in the future with Gremio. If they have any other players, they're going to probably contact Barcelona in the future first. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's a good quality contract in that it's not too expensive. I like the the numbers there. You know, it's nothing astronomical. I think when dealing with South American teams, it's always on the cheaper side um, just because of, you know, um, Barcelona is able to to negotiate there a lot better than they are with the European teams here, just because the European teams um, can just kind of extort you even more. Well, it's a bigger market um, yeah. with a lot more money. Yeah, in South that's America, true. That's true. it's just the money is less. The, the The players are great, but the market isn't as big in terms of dollar or euro or whatever unit you want to talk about. Lira. <laughs> Lira. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's you know for me, I'm I'm happy that it's under fifty million. You know, for, for sure. me, that's that's a, that's a good bargain for sure. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, as you mentioned, Paulinho is leaving. He's returning to his former Chinese club Guangzhou Evergrande on what will begin as a twelve month loan, as I understand it, with an option for the Chinese club to buy. Yeah. So I'm reading on Twitter. There's a couple kind of mixed reports about if it's a loan or an outright buy right now. That's there's still yeah. It's kind breaking of right now as we're recording. Yeah. So it's not the dust hasn't totally settled on that. We're not totally open, sure about what's uh, yeah. So the could this be like one of the weirdest transfers that we've ever had? You know, so. one year. You know, he came in. He he basically he threw some elbows. My, he, yeah, he threw some elbows away. He swept me off my feet in January. <laughs> you know, and then he just leaves. Like uh, like like nothing ever happened. Yeah, yeah. he's like Shane. <laughs> he's like an old timey Western movie hero. You know, we've got the frontier town exactly. in trouble. Exactly. He just rides in, Correct. but he can't stay because he's yeah. not meant to live in civilized Correct. society. Correct. <laughs> he can only be here so, for a short time. Yeah, so it's interesting because you know I thought for sure that he was going to stay at least another year. Yeah, I think I think he you know for me. He still has a role on the team. You know, when we're playing these different types of physical teams, I think he definitely gives us that extra muscle that we need. It's interesting to me because is he just 
you know, doing it for the money to go back to China or I don't, what, what is, what's the motivation, you know? Holy. And like you told me on WhatsApp earlier is you're like, is this guy ever going to get a break now or what? Seriously. Cause what their, their season is already going right. They're like Correct. MLS. So he's just going to fly yeah, yeah. back to China now. Yeah. He's never going to be able to rest. But, yeah. This poor guy, you know, I know. Uh, I was just going to say, I just think it's such a weird signing. I didn't see this at all coming, you know, it's yeah, a definitely know. a surprise for me. Total shock. Especially to go back to, to, to the club. So um, I apparently, you know, Val Green just, you know, was okay with this move, like you said. And, and it's, so now we have, we have some, some holes to fill with some midfield, you know, so we can definitely try to sign some more midfielders. Yeah. He had said, apparently, he apparently right after Brazil got knocked out, he confirmed that he had gotten an offer from uh, that Chinese club. And some other European club, but he didn't say the name. And he also said that, like, I'll talk to my agent and maybe I'll stay in Barcelona. And then just today, the news is already out, going back to China. And who knows what uh, what that man's motivations are. You know, he's a, he's an impenetrable fortress. Uh, no one knows what goes on in the mind of Pauly. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, I will never forget him. You know, he scored the <laughs> classical goal and he... <laughs> You know, he just Paulinho, he never forget. I know, never forget. What but, was his number? I forgot. Yeah, exactly. Number eight, <laughs> nine. I don't know. Like, what? Yeah, so that raises the question, right? Because Valverde was totally fine with Pauly leaving, uh, provided that the club would sign a suitable replacement. So that's the question: Who would be a suitable replacement for Pauly? What do you think? Can they bring back Javi? <laughs> <laughs> Only with a time machine. Um, you know, I, I'm okay with what we have so far, right? With Rakitic, Busquets, um, Arthur, Alenia. Who else we got? Coutinho. Coutinho. I mean, we can use Coutinho in the midfield. I, I think we have enough firepower. And the other thing too, is that it, with the midfield that we have currently, they're just going to be really disciplined. You know, you can make them even more disciplined to be, you know, to really respect the roles on defense. So that's just going to make our defense better because going forward, we have, extreme talent we have Messi, Dembele if you want to put Coutinho up there um you know we have the and Suarez obviously we have the ability to score goals it's always just to be able to control the midfield and be disciplined on defense and when we do those things you know nine times out of ten we're going to win the match so for me I, I don't need the best midfielder in the world right now you know I don't need that I'd rather have you know Arthur that Val, Val Green can tutor manipulate to what he wants and fit our style even more as opposed to bringing a superstar midfielder who's not going to be disciplined and is going to be you know a harder player to mold into our style and our philosophy right now okay here's you should see this coming I I don't think you're gonna see this coming but you should have what if we just get another right back and then Sergio Roberto can be the replacement for Pauly so this goes back to the Spain debacle too. Like, how much better would have been better with Sergio Roberto there? You know, I like know. Like, we talked to, like we talked about in the previous episode. But yeah, you have a good point. I did see that on Twitter. I do like that because then we just use um, Semedo back there to to be the right back, and then Sergio uh, Roberto can be a more than uh, capable midfielder for us. You know, I mean, and- I think he would be an upgrade. Man, you—that's a really good point, Brian. You, I'm on board with that. Let's right? do that. Let's let's write to Val Green and be like Sergio Roberto, the midfield. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe, maybe that's maybe. The move. I mean, maybe I the know. next big signing is actually going to be a right back. If if it is, I would, I will be vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because, you know, with if we do a 4-3-3, you know, you got the Coutinho, Suarez, and Messi, which I still don't like, but whatever. <laughs> Just because I – no, I mean, I like – I want Messi in the middle. You know, I really want Messi in the middle, and I don't like him in the right wing because he doesn't really do the full – right wing responsibilities you know right um and then the midfield let's say you have Busquets, Rakitic and Sergio Roberto I'm okay with that you know and the defense you know we know what it is I don't know I I really hope that there is some sort of progressive thinking about that putting Sergio Roberto to midfield because he would just be a natural fit and a, and like you said an upgrade yeah or maybe I'm this is right off the dome I, I have no real support for this but but what if Valverde is trying to think about maybe a 3-4-3, three, three, shifting Alba further up as more of a midfielder. But, of course, we know he can drop back defensively because we are we have a lot of center backs at this moment. And we're, we don't have a ton yeah. of left backs and right backs, but we do have a lot of center backs, which actually sort of takes me to the next subject that I wanted to talk about, which is this whole center back shuffle that's happening because... Clement Longley is all but signed from Sevilla. He's the French center back. He's on the young side, so he has a lot of time ahead of him. The word is that he will be moving to Barcelona once his release fee is deposited with the league. And the most recent reports that I saw are that the deal could be done by Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. So that will give us yet another center back. Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> it's like... So, okay, I understand if you're going to keep... Yuri Mina, right? So you have Lunglet, Mina, Umtiti, PK. I'm cool with that. Right. That's Vermeulen. a good... Yeah. He's, hey, <laughs> he's, when he's not injured, he's actually, it turns out he's pretty good. Okay, that's fine. I'm fine with that because, like, well, like we've talked, you can't have enough center backs, but I just don't like the 3-4-3 three, three system because I just think it always puts your defense on skates you know just and especially you want to put pk and tt in better positions and all of a sudden if it's just three back there there's just going to be too much space and la liga teams are gonna be able to exploit those wings in the corners and able to cross we've seen teams do that to us before so i think it's an interesting take i just i just want to see us go maybe something like a four one four one or something i don't know i but i i want to see Messi in the center of the park playmaking right that's what I want to see, you know? I think that's probably what most of us want to see, and that's probably what Messi... Well, Messi wants to be able to be free, right? He knows what he wants to do. He wants to play make. He wants to score goals. And you need to give him the team around him that will allow him to do that. Now, that's the other thing, you know? Like, if we have Dembele, Suarez, and Coutinho, you know, that's such a formidable threesome... And then you have Messi right behind them distributing ooh, the ball. Ooh, Good God. Look out. Yeah. That see? just gave me goose flesh. Yeah, yeah. And then you just you don't have to worry about that end on attacking at all. Then you just you just set up the, the back end for defense and discipline with Rakitic and Busquets and then the rest of the team, you know. And then you have the best of both worlds. You have the transition. You can, you know, Messi's in the best position. The defense doesn't know what's going on. You have Suarez going crazy in the middle. And then you have Dembele's speed and Coutinho's shot coming on the right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look out. Now, we are actually down a center back because Marlon Santos – is uh, going to be sold to Southampton for twelve million, as I uh, as I saw from a report, you know. But of course, Barcelona signed him for six million from Fluminense, twenty seventeen. He didn't make many appearances for the first team. He mostly played at Barca B. He's only twenty two, but with these personnel changes since uh, signing, since his signing, Umtiti, Yerimina, now Longley, 
there might there's just not any room for him at this point so that's that's probably a good call to uh unload santos i mean the thing now with yuri mina's world cup campaign he had a strong world cup campaign scoring goals and not looking so lost and then also with linglet coming he has la liga experience so it's an automatic upgrade you can sell santos and make some money i get it um it's just going to be interesting to see what what valverde does in the preseason you know with the different lineups he does who he's going to be our or who's going to be our starting 11 if we're still going to do 4-4-2 and how that's going to work out even though i hate it so much the way uh, val green does it right um you know i just think it's it's there's no need just go for it you know yeah um our team is good we can win games without a 4-4-2 right but um like you said, the center back shuffle, I just don't like the three back, but I do like the Linglet setting. I, again, it's a good price. It's nothing over $50 million again, so I think that's the key. Right. Well, a little bit more about him, you know, because he arrived at Sevilla in 2017, and since then, his market value, according to Transfer Market, has gone up exponentially. He's only 23, and he has appeared regularly for Sevilla last year. Also, another upside, small upside maybe, but... Uh, they've got the French connection because both he and Umtiti will speak the same language, which has its benefits. And in his first full season in La Liga, he received nine yellow cards, which right off the top to me seemed high. But then as I was looking at all of the disciplinary records in La Liga, that's it's more than any previous year in his career. But Piquet also received nine yellows last year, along with 16 other guys in La Liga, most of them midfielders. For a defender, that's actually quite low in La Liga. So I'm assuming that means he knows how to pick his moments when he really has to, you know, make that tackle that's going to get him booked. But generally, he can avoid trouble, which is also good. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, you know, he's playing for Sevilla, which is a really, you know, above-average team. You know, he's he's getting a lot of good experience. And, you know, I think it's a good signing. You know, I like his his upside for sure. And like we talked about, just to be able to pair with Umtiti and even speak French, that's always an upgrade to be able to speak native language. Uh, you don't have a miscommunication at all. So, um, you know, they're obviously planning for when PK has to leave because, again, he's just getting older. And, you know, especially after these long campaigns, you know, he just played the World Cup. We're going to have to go young. And I'm just really excited that we have some depth you know, with Yuri Mina, now with Lenglet, we can rotate and hopefully um, give these guys some some more breaks, you know, get, get these younger players in, integrated. So I'm excited to see what Val Green does with these center backs. Yeah, and with Mina, I mean, his World Cup, I think, was great. He scored half of Colombia's goals in that tournament. And now with Arthur coming in, but Pauly leaving, that uh, gets rid of any of the problems with uh, the non-EU player limit uh, especially once Coutinho gets his Portuguese passport but I haven't seen any news on that since since uh, February so maybe that was the the answer to their problems the whole time that they were they knew they were getting rid of Polly maybe you know maybe that was what they were saying so uh yeah so visa problems resolved <laughs> <laughs> now this is going to be fun for you I think because there are a number of players who are still on Barcelona's books right and most of whom I think we would ideally like to offload to honestly sell away. They've they've been on loan mostly, right? First up, your favorite, Douglas. He's been loaned out the last two seasons, and the club is now looking to sell him outright. They received a loan offer from Nantes in Ligue 1, but that offer was rejected because the French club was only willing to pay 50% of Douglas's wages. 
The reports say that Barcelona will only loan him out again if at least 75% of his wages are covered. But again, they'd prefer to just sell him and get him off their books. And I know that you would too. Can they? Can, what about if we just sell him and they just give us like a year supply of baguettes or something? You know? <laughs> like, I think that would be a good deal. I mean, just sell him, I right? Mean, just I, sell him to whoever. I think that, I mean, from a sporting angle, they're, they, they could just terminate his contract and let, yeah, I mean, and let I it think be. That, but they're trying to get some money for him. I, I that's know. what it is. It's it's the front office just, just trying to squeeze what, some, yeah, some, some euros out of his out of his butt. Yeah. I mean, just sell him to any team that will take him. You right. know, don't do any of this 50%. I'm, just get rid of him, you know. Obviously, he hasn't been able to, you know, hold up his end of trying to play for Barcelona. So you just got to cut ties. And like you said, just, just sell him. Don't deal with any of those 50% wages going forward. When you have these type of contracts where the team is responsible for 50%, you have the situation as we did with Denis Suarez this year, where we still had to pay some money to Manchester city because Denis was playing more games and there was that clause in his contract. So to avoid any of those issues and the development of our players, just sell him outright so we don't have to, you know, impede his development. Yeah. Now, also, we do have Rafinha on the book. So, of course, as you, as everyone remembers, I think after a long injury recovery, he did finally go back into action on loan at Inter last January, and he made 17 appearances for Inter. He scored two goals, made three assists. He played over 1,000 minutes, and that was just in, I think, half of a season, so not bad. But is there room for him back on the Barcelona first team, or should the club try to work out a sale for this summer? Sell. Sell. <laughs> Gabriel says sell. Sell. Uh, to any team who wants him. No, just is sell. Is it mostly him. because I mean, of his uh, his injury proneness? That too, but I mean, just get him off the books. I just, I'm just a bigger fan of just don't have these players accumulated where you're paying and worrying about such, you know, the contracts of all these other little players that are nibbling at the contracts, you know, of your overall salary cap, right? You just don't, you, if we don't have to pay Rafinha, don't pay him, you know? So just sell him to a team that's going to be interested and just make that happen. All right. Now, what yeah. about Munir? Sell. He, sell, yes. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's another one who's been loaned out the last two seasons yeah. after coming up through the ranks. And last season at Alaves, it was one of the best of his career. He netted 14 Correct. goals. He made seven assists. But could he fit back in with Suarez, Dembele, Messi, Coutinho? Could, does no. he really fit in with this? Sell. Yeah. Even <laughs> though he came up through Barca's academy, yeah. he he, he doesn't sell. Yeah, sell. Doesn't seem so. Right. He had he had opportunities before uh, when I think when Suarez was injured. Mm-hmm. I want to say a couple of years ago, he was actually playing you know ten games in a row. Yeah, and he was you know the starter and he did nothing. Right. You know, and you have to take advantage of those opportunities because you're just not going to get them. So I just think just get him off the book, sell. He's just, just let him be free and just let him choose the team he wants to be, you know? Right. Now, finally, there's Sergi Samper. Now he's also spent the last two seasons on loan, uh, though he was actually back at Barcelona last January, albeit he was sidelined with a really horrible ankle injury and he's been in rehab ever since, but I think he uh, might be fully recovered and be able to get back into action soon. And I hope he's able to train, and maybe he could be uh, another good replacement in that um, central midfield. He's more of a backup for Busquets. That's the sort of style of player he is. But if we had him, I think that could have a good backup for Busquets and relieve Rakitic from that duty. I say wait. Oh, Ooh, wait. You didn't see that coming. Oh. Yeah. 
I think I think we can wait one more year just to see how he comes back from this rehab and just kind of analyze and make a decision going forward after he's completely rehabbed. And then from then on, you can say, OK, we're going to keep him or sell him. But I just I think with his age, he's 23 years old. He still has a severe upside, you know, in the you know, as we've seen previous games with him. Um, so I think you wait one more year. And then after the year, you make a decision on him going forward, because I think after this year, he'll be able to kind of give you an idea if he can come back, how he's looking agility wise. And obviously he's been through the ranks of La Masia and so forth. So you kind of want to keep that investment. But I, I think, you know, with his type of injury, you kind of just wait, you're able to wait and then go forward with that decision after. All right. So we're going to wait. We're going to wait on Sergi. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. Okay. Now let's talk about some Barca B promotions uh, because, of course, we all have heard that Carlos Alenia, our phenom in the central midfield, 20 years old, it's the only one to really see playing time on the first team in the more competitive matches last year. The word is that he will be seeing more time with the first team next year, but he has been held back this summer with a torn muscle. He's projected to be back in action in September, but we are still looking forward to that, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, also just, you know, for the Copa del Rey matches that come in the beginning of the year, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time, but he has a severe upside. He's ready for this moment. I think he's been groomed, you know, for the last two seasons with Barca B and so forth. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do uh, playing with better players. You know, when the times he did play for Barcelona last year, he was playing with the C team or even B team at times. Um, so I'm curious to see what he can link up with Messi, Busquets, Rakitic, or whoever he's playing with, you know, just to kind of see if his game becomes elevated because of the superstars he's playing with. Right. Now, there are three others that that might be more like bookkeeping promotions, right? On paper, maybe they've been signed to the first team uh, because according to Transfer Markets roster of FC Barcelona, these three players are on the first team roster. But in reality, I think they'll probably spend mo- most of their time at Barca B. Uh, but maybe, like you were saying, in those early rounds of Copa del Rey, they'll see some action nominally for the first team. At least, you know, Valverde will be on the sideline, but it, like Messi won't be there, for example. But first up, we've got, I, I'm probably saying this wrong, but I like saying it this way, Mark Cucurella. Sounds right to me. Cucurella. Because it, like it sounds like a bird. Um, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's like the, the Catalan uh, Kyle Mooney, the uh, 19-year-old <laughs> left back. Played one season for Barca B, having been promoted from Juvenil A. So he's only played on the B team for one year. He's only 19, but uh, strictly speaking, he's on the first team at the moment. I I think that they're going to you know, give him the starting spot on the B team a lot, and maybe occasionally he'll get called up to the first team. I think, yeah, I think he's, you know, like you said, he's technically signed, but I think he's going to get more... Uh, playing time with Barca B and I think he's going to have some opportunities to come up like we said the Copa del Rey but I think for the majority he's going to be on Barca B yeah now then there's Sergi Palencia this is the Barca B captain a 22 year old right back hey bring him up move Sergi into the midfield but anyway he's been in Barcelona for the last six years he's also come up the ranks and again I predict that he'll get the occasional call up to the first team next year He has, from what I've seen, he has speed, he has good positioning, and he's solid on the defensive end, but he needs to work on his crosses. Yeah, um, I think he's probably going to get the majority, like we said, Barca B. This is going to be a test year for him because if he has an outstanding year, he'll he'll probably almost get 
uh, promoted just because of the money figures, his youth, and also just to groom him, you know, for bigger roles in the, the, in the senior team. So uh, that would be awesome if he has a great year, because then obviously it just transitions uh, for next year, you know, for the following season. But like we said, if they sign a right back or if they don't, um, we're going to see what Sergio Roberto's fate is this season. See, for me, it's all about Sergio. I, I should just make this the Sergio Roberto podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but then finally, there's uh, our nice, right? The out and out left winger looking good for Barca B last year until he took a bad in- injury. He's another one who is technically signed to the first team. But I, I do think that especially with him coming back from that injury, uh, he's going to spend most of the season at Barca B. And they're gonna be they're gonna wait and they're gonna see how he comes back from the injury and performs. So for like our nice, I would I would almost loan him to a team. Loan him back because, to buy the lead. <laughs> yeah, well I'm just I'm saying like to yeah, I would I would want to loan him to a La Liga team. Right. Because I don't think he's gonna get playing time if on the you know on the on the senior team. I think putting him in Barca B again is kind of is going to slow his development. Well, especially and next just, year, Barca B is going to be in Segunda B, not Segunda that's what I'm Segunda. <laughs> exactly. So I would almost look to loan him to a La Liga team so that he gets really good experience playing, you know, La Liga teams. And then we'll be able to even see better in the future if he's someone that can actually contribute something substantial to the senior team. I think that's a better, especially right now at the 22, 23 year age that he's at. It's kind of like no loss for us, you know. He gets experience uh, playing, becoming a professional in and out, and and we can actually see if he can actually produce at this top level. Yeah. You know, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, and they'll prob- they probably either will just keep him at Barca B or loan him out. I don't see them calling him up to the first team much. And honestly, I think he did have a good year. He has certain strengths. But for me... He's not that great. I don't see. And the next year, I might be proven wrong. He might step up his game. I'm totally open to that. And he plays for Barcelona, so I want him to do well. I want him to develop well. But I don't long-term. I I would say my long-term call on Arnais is sell. Ooh, interesting. I think they're going to hold. They're going to see what they can get out of him. But I don't, I don't think ultimately he's going to deliver. In, in two or three years... He's going to be gone. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. But at the same time, I would give him an opportunity. Maybe go back to Valladolid. Valladolid's back in La Liga this year. So why don't you just give him an opportunity to go back? I'm sure Valladolid would be over the moon to have him back as, uh, you know, to help strengthen their team. And really just see how, you know, if he can kind of score goals at this level, how many he can score, and also if he can get consistent playing time, you know, because usually – the protection is, oh, he's on Barca B because obviously there's Messi, Coutinho, Suarez, like the top flight. But then if he's not getting consistent time on via the lead, then there's an issue. That's right? an indicator. The, that coach, you know what I'm saying? That's going to give you an indication of, okay, maybe we should sell. Right. And, or, you know, what happens there. Yeah. So I think that loan would be good as long as via the lead or whoever pays at least 75%. Of his wages. <laughs> Minimum. Minimum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, just the last thing today. Um, in you, you could file this under, you know, yet another example of Spanish football ineptitude. The Spanish Super Cup scheduling has turned out to be um, a quite a quite right shit show, I think, 
because <laughs> Barcelona is going to be in the U.S. for the International Champions Cup. Their last game is on August 4th at Levi's Stadium against AC Milan. And the initial schedule for the Spanish Super Cup, the two legs, would have conflicted. At least the first leg would have. So there's been this proposal of a one-off final match. And both clubs agreed to that, but Sevilla only wanted to do that if they could have that one-off match at their stadium because they've included tickets to that in their season ticket price. Of course, Barca didn't agree to that because why would you, right? But then the RFEF proposed playing this one-off match in Morocco, and Sevilla was not into that. And I think, again, that goes back to their whole season ticket thing. But that plan has now been backed by La Liga and the Players Association, the AFE. So there is still the chance of a one-off Super Cup final being played in Morocco. This is so glorious in so many ways, Brian. I mean, it's just, (laughs) first of all, Barcelona, knowing that they were going to be you know, the potential to be in the Spanish Super Cup, they have to do something. You know, either they send another team to play this first leg because really it doesn't matter. This is the Spanish Super Cup is is just, you know, uh, a glorified exhibition preseason before La Liga kicks off. I mean, right. it's nice if you can win it, but at the same time, it, as we saw last year, it doesn't mean anything. Right. You know, we got our butts kicked by Real Madrid, right? And, you know, our pets' heads were falling off, you know, at that time. Yeah. So to me... Just to avoid all this, they should just send our BC team, let them do the Spanish Super Cup, let our stars play the International Champions Cup because of the marketing dollars that happens in the U.S., right. and you just avoid both those things. But then again, it's like proposing in Morocco. What? <laughs> it makes sense to me. Like, if anything, if anything for the one-off, it should be at the Wanda. I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the at a neutral site. In Spain. Middle distance. In Spain, the middle distance between both teams and have 50% Sevilla, 50% uh, Barca fans, and there you go for the one-off. And everyone wins. You get enough money. The fans for Sevilla, they can come to the match. I mean, seriously? This is, I mean, it's just... I mean, to be fair, Tangier, Tangier isn't that far from Sevilla. It's it's a bit of, I understand a, bit of a hassle that, but, for Barcelona, but if you're coming from Sevilla... No, but it's Tangier's not even not that... Bad. It's the whole thing of just the logistics, right. you know? Uh, like how many tra- how many players are going to travel to Morocco in the middle of August when it's like 50 degrees there, you know, or 110 degrees? I just That's wish I thing. knew more about the people at the top level of the RFEF right now because I'm just imagining there had to have been one guy who just said, um, or what if, hear me out, <laughs> we did it in Morocco. I mean- this, this is all you have to know, that the RFEF, whatever, they're probably still using Windows 98. I mean, that's just what you got to just kind of just – that should just give you the overall picture of what's going on there, you know? Uh, the logistics and planning of the La Liga and the R, it's just – it's ludicrous. It's maddening. And that's one of the problems that's limiting the growth and um, – you know, development of this league to be even better than the English one. Because if you're a fan, you can't plan more than a month out for these games because they always change the times. They never keep anything set in stone. And this is something that has to change. Someone has to come in and just shake that shit up, you know, with the marketing and just being more, um, you know, more fixed on the, on the schedule. And this is another issue, you know, the Spanish super cup, like going forward, it should just be a one-off and again, just rotate it where, they had the Copa del Rey final and just match that up. Boom. That Done. solved the problem. You, you know, it's like, there are, honestly, that's a great solution. There are a number of ways to solve it on aside from that. I can't think of any right now, 
But what's certainly not working, I don't think, is the way that it has been happening for time immemorial in Spanish football. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, again, these guys are just really old school thinking guys. They're not new with they're happy with what they're earning. You know what I'm saying? They're they're happy with the money that they're getting, but they can't see the potential of earning double or even triple that. They just they just can't fathom how that would even happen with you know better marketing um, with YouTube and these type of things, and also just the logistics of these planning. You know, the, as I'm sure you've heard and I've talked about it, it's the worst for traveling fans. You know that it does it, the English Premier games are so much better because it's so much organized and it's a hard line like that's the date you know for the most part and until those things happen it's still going to be considered a second or third tier league just because of the way they do things especially like you know you've seen how good var has been doing you know and you know that next year uh with the assisted referee that we're going to have it's going to be a nightmare yeah i mean you just know it's going to be a comp- like the wi-fi it's not going to be working <laughs> or the microphone or something you know someone didn't splurge enough on something and it's just going to cut out you know you never know what's going to happen it's just it's going to be complete surprises this season coming with var here yeah well next week we're going to have more transfer updates and at that point the world cup will have a winner so we'll see how our or at least my predictions uh, shaped up to reality Barca Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. Editing and music is by Brian Henderson. Social media management by Gabriel Quiroga. Tell a friend about us and become a supporter of the show. Just kick in a few bucks a month at our website, barsatalk.net. Until next time, Visca Barca. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.